Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ringside Chaos, the greatest pro wrestling podcast in the history of the world. And it's my honor to welcome back one of the greatest duos in podcast history from the Great Girth Podcast, a true American patriot that could care less if he offends you, a well-certified, knowledgeable expert in pro wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and the only Tony freaking Trujillo. Tony, welcome back, sir. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm ready to talk wrestling. Yeah, and this episode, honestly, I feel like it's a chance that we got to take because three particular individuals are now champions. And quite frankly, I'm very, very happy. Me too. I'm, I'm sure there's some negatives to everybody, but we'll get into that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mustafa Ali is the new TNA X Division champion. You know, Nick Nemeth, formerly known as Dolph Ziggler, I, um, you know, beca- becomes the new uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I, I, see, there's always these different titles. So I'm pretty sure I just messed, I just messed it up, but uh, but and, and of course, same thing with Riddle. So, you know, it, yeah, yeah, the 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 the, 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 the excuse me, the NJPW World Title. TV title, that's Matt Riddle's title. So yeah, there's there's a million of those titles, man. There's like different yeah. belts. So I like totally, I totally kind of botched the beginning, but you know what? It's okay. Well, what title did he even win? Was it the strong? Was it the NW? It was it like the the heavyweight champion? Because I know Riddle's was the television champion. But yeah. They have a million belts, dude. I don't know which one's which. They do. That's what, that's why I'm so confused. But I gotta let everybody know I'm doing this from my phone. I don't have my computer screen, so that's why I gotta keep turning my head. But uh, no, Nick Nemeth, he's basically the IWGP Global Heavyweight Champion. He actually beat the inaugural champion David Finley, which of course is the son of the legendary Fit Finley. Uh, oh, okay. Yep. Okay, so I don't know what that guy is. Who is, of course, I should say. Who is the son of David Finley, which would be David Finley. <laughs> and Mustafa Ali, I, I know what title he won just because that is the first title I ever cared about in TNA history back when it first started. I mean, so many names, so many big names. I mean, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles have both held that championship. And, and honestly, well, that- it's, it's the first time in his career that Mustafa Ali has held a major title. now. So it's about time. I feel that Mustafa Ali being released from WWE may have been the best thing to happen to the guy because since his 90-day compete clause ended in late December of last year, this guy has been traveling all over the world. He has worked shows in France, in England, in Canada. He has appeared for New Japan Programming. He's actually now appearing at with at TNA Wrestling. I mean, this dude is just going out there and being the true talent that he is. He's able to actually be himself. Same thing with Riddle and same thing with Nick yeah. Nemeth. The, they're no longer shackled. They're, they're free men. They are free men. Oh, yeah. It goes to show you that WWE has its own way of doing things, which isn't me knocking WWE because that's – everyone knows that, man. WWE is a company that they pick and choose who the stars are. I mean, every company does it, right? It's no secret that every company has somebody that's running it that picks and makes the decisions. However, WWE is known for picking out uh, a select few and focusing on them, whereas the other guys, 
are thrown around in the back and they're mid-carded or for whatever reason, some of these guys, Vince at the time, just didn't see anything in, the, in them. So these guys are prime examples of what happens when you fall into those cracks in WWE because you're either too small, you're either bad for the press or, you know, vice versa. There's each superstar that we're talking about has something about them that I wouldn't say um, makes them unique, but more like, oh, shit, we didn't know that because we didn't see it, meaning we didn't get that investment that we got in WWE. Like, okay, so I'm going to be honest about two things. I never cared for Dolph Ziggler or Matt Riddle when they were in WWE. However, I knew they had talent. That was the problem. WWE basically said, we don't care about these guys. We're not going to focus on them. So I kind of went along with it. I was like, fuck, they're not going to let me enjoy it. Well, I guess let's look at the other guys. But I could see it. You could see clear talent. It's just, again, that they weren't really able to kind of evolve from that. So they kind of got pushed around in the back, you know, or they were put as a mid-card or whatever. Like Dolph Ziggler is a really um, important example. You have a guy that won the WWE champion a while back. He is clearly got a following you can hear it in the crowd even though wwe will try to drown it out because he's supposed to be a bad guy you can clearly hear his following and you can tell he has talent but he falls in the back because whatever reasons i don't know his story i don't know why i know he was let go because of a they were doing the round of cuts and layoffs and he was one of them but what i was trying to get at was look at somebody who won the wwe champion kind of was doing pretty good for himself and then slowly went down and they put him to NXT to me right there. That was okay. That's, that's it for him, which isn't always true. There's people that have bounced back from it. And typically we want to believe as fans that if a wrestler goes to NXT, it's to help that brand, not help that person. Right. But in my experience, a lot of these guys go there and they don't come back or they get laid off. So, right. I didn't care for him, though, because his character was dumb to me, Dolph Ziggler. I mean, you can argue that him and Nick Nemeth are the same character, but they're a little bit different. Dolph Ziggler had a stupid-ass name. I'll start by saying that. I mean, Nick Nemeth isn't any better, but Ziggler's a dumb name, and pairing him with Robert, Robert Roode was stupid, too, because Roode was good on his own, just like Ziggler was. Now that that's out of the way, Mustafa Ali, again. There's clearly talent there, but they kept pushing him back. And then they did the whole, what was the name of that group? They would come out and they would attack people on Raw and SmackDown. And Retribution, I believe. Retribution, yeah. He was the leader, and then they did nothing with it after the fact. Well, I mean, turning him heel, honestly, was a dumb move. Mustafa Ali, much like Dolph Ziggler, had the crowd behind him. I mean, Mustafa Ali, I, I swear to you, this dude is a real-life embodiment of, like, of, of a DC, like, like a DC uh, superhero. You know, I always say Sammy Guevara is a real-life embodiment of Nightwing, who, of course, is the first Robin in the, Bat- in the Batman comics. I would say Mustafa Ali has many similarities to Sammy Guevara with the high flyers and all that. The, both those guys, especially Ali, they're basically, like I said, real-life embodiments of superheroes. I mean, these guys, if you push them properly as uber baby faces, you know, but I feel like, well, I mean, I think in Guevara's case, Guevara works great. 
as a heel and as a face. But for Mustafa Ali, I feel like he just leans too much. He's basically meant to be more of a baby face. I mean, he could probably be a good heel if he's used correctly. But the point is, I mean, I feel like Ali is just another wasted guy that WWE could have done a lot with, but they just did not want to take that chance. And now look at him. Exactly my point. He, like, I'm, I'm going to be honest. If you had just... If you had just, if you had just basically done your homework, if you had trusted him, if you had let him do his own thing, he could do so much for you. Now look at him. Yep, exactly. Because and, and fans cannot be more behind the guy because now we know Mustafa Ali is un, is unshackled. He's he's a free man. So, and seeing you know, and, and, and not only that, I should mention to everybody that on April twelfth, Mustafa Ali will be working a match with Hiromu Takahashi at the New Japan um, event in Chicago known as Windy City Riots. So, you see? These high-caliber matches are being set up. And I can't stop apologizing because I so butchered it at the beginning. Sorry, guys. It's just doing it from the phone is not easy. So, But, you know, and, and seeing from, from Riddle's perspective, when Riddle was released, I did an episode um, with a colleague of mine with Third Down Thursdays, and I said to him, and he agreed, we're going to see, we need to see a more serious side of Riddle. And we're seeing yeah. it. Now he's still like, you know, still the chill dude, but I mean, I'm telling you, we're seeing him being taken more seriously. He's not doing any more comedic storylines. Like he's actually going out there and being the talent that he is, the legitimate tough guy. Right. WWE is known for the story driven characters, which is fine because we do get a lot of good story driven characters, but there's it's people like Riddle. Aspect. Well, there's Riddle that is better off without. Like, um, I've always kind of felt like he has talent. You could see it in his matches, but they never really did anything with him. I mean, his run with Orton was arguably the biggest he'd ever been. And then with all his legal stuff and personal stuff, that kind of dropped him off the face of the earth. There was a rivalry that I wanted to see that we could not see it. I thought that we were going to have a storyline between Orton and Riddle with Riddle being the heel. But unfortunately, like you said, the legal issues and Orton was in Orton's back injury. Yeah, it all kind of fell apart because Riddle is one of those guys that I I did care for. I could see he had talent and I really wish they would have explored it more. And then I watched his match where he won the television champion and I was like, yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. He can hold his own but they wouldn't invest in him. And I got to be honest with Mustafa, the same thing. So I started watching TNA again, like weeks ago, right around the time that Nick Nemeth made his debut. I was like, okay, he's over there now. Let's see what they do. So I've been tuning in regularly and I watched no surrender. That was the first TNA pay-per-view I watched since probably Oh five, but I watched it and seeing the main event with Mustafa and Chris Saban, that was the first time I not only sat down and watched a full match with Mustafa Ali, but that's, again, it's the first time I watched the TNA pay-per-view, so this was a different experience. But from that one match alone, I was like, damn, I should have been paying attention to this Mustafa character way back in WWE, but I just felt like they kept pushing him aside, so I didn't have a chance to do that. But I watched that one match, and like I said, it's the first time I ever sat down and watched a full match with him in it, and he rocked the shit out of it. That was arguably the best match he's ever done. I mean, at least for me, because that's the one that I saw front to back and I was like, oh shit. Yes, he does have talent. He can definitely do it. And then winning the belt 
it was pretty cool. I mean, I'm happy they all won, dude. I, I get why people are upset because there is that common theme that all these other companies are doing. They're taking talent that are ex-WWE talent and they're pushing them into title storylines almost immediately. Which is annoying. I, I agree. Like, I hear people on that. That's super annoying. I don't like when they just push them in there. But sometimes it's kind of worth it. I think Mustafa Ali just might be one of those cases where it's worth it. Yeah, right. I didn't, I didn't understand Nick Nemeth winning a world champion. But being that he's allowed to go around, it kind of makes sense. Because you can't really get mad about it when AEW is doing the same thing. Their, their guys are winning belts at other promotions. And they're going everywhere. So... No reason to trip about it because it's not like he was thrown into TNA and got a TNA champion out of it. So I like the way they did that, but I do understand where people get annoyed that these guys get thrown into main, well, into stardom right away. But I think that they do that because it's a draw. It's a, it'll make money. It's, yeah, it's a draw. Like Dolph, yeah. Dolph Ziggler may not have been important in WWE, but in TNA as Nick Nemeth, he is because they know who he was. They want to see what he can do, and I think that those promotions are smart in doing that because they know that these people came from a place where people will see the name or the face and they know who that is and they look into it right away. And that's, I fell for it too. Cause like I said, I didn't really care about Dolph Ziggler. And then I started paying attention to him as any other, but you can totally tell Nick Nemeth is more of a baby face. And while I do say that he's good as a heel too, he's very good as a heel. He's very believable. I feel that he's better as a baby face. I enjoy him more. Yeah, especially at this point of his career. He's just better as a baby face in my opinion. He's a a good heel because he's passable. A passable heel is someone that whines and bitches and moans and acts like they're the shit, which is a lot of them. So he does that, but he sets the bar higher as a baby face. He's, you know, you hear him talking, okay, I can see him being like, the bad boy that's so bad he's good, if that makes sense. Kind of like DX. They were supposed to be bad guys, but People loved them. They were heels, but they were like heel baby faces in a sense. <laughs> right. And that's what Nick Nemeth does really good is that he's yeah, I mean, probably supposed to be a bad guy given this character gimmick, but he passes, he's better as a good guy. He's passable as a bad guy, but I feel like he does way better when he's supposed to be the baby face. And we saw how he was like when he first made his appearance at New Japan after, um, after David Finley won the championship, when he beat John Moxley and, and the greatest wrestler in the world today, Will Ospreay, in that three-way dance uh, to to become the inaugural champion, we saw that confrontation. And and how Nick Nemeth wore that suit, I, sw- I swear to God, he was, he was giving me a little bit of Agent Smith vibes. But, yeah, you know, Dolph Ziggler, like his longtime character in WWE was the show-off. I think, you know, at this point, he, the show-off thing, he, he's, too, he's, too much, he's too much of a veteran. To kind of have like such yeah. like, the, the arrogant, cocky heel thing. I mean, I'm sure he could still yeah. be a good heel, but but I really believe that Nick Nemeth has kind of fully graduated into that status where because the fans love him so much. I mean, even if he's a heel, he'll still be loved. But I think because of his, I think because of the detriment, he's better off as face. Now, yeah. as far as Ziggler, now as far as all three of these guys go, I. Well, as far as I'm concerned, Riddle is actually signed to Major League Wrestling, but Major League Wrestling does, in fact, have a working relationship with New Japan. So I'm yeah. so Parton says I'm not sure if all these guys are officially signed to one particular company. I think Riddle is, but again, because of the working relationships, he can work in the other promotions. 
as far as I'm concerned, Mustafa Ali is still considered a freelancer. So I would imagine that even though he's he's obviously appearing on TNA programming, I'd imagine he's 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 probably signed a short term deal or man, I mean, I'm not sure. But again, that's just the beauty of being a freelancer, working all these different promotions, you know, taking these bookings and everything. So yeah, and I'll never forget that that match that Riddle had in his debut with MLW with Jacob Fatu, who of course is um Rikishi's uh, nephew, who's just in and fought and Jacob Fatu is the son of the Tonga kid. So again, we're really seeing something so unique right here, and and the and the fact that you know Riddle beating um, Tanahashi, who um, uh, actually has more than just a, a, a role as a as a talent. I mean, as, as we know, Tanahashi is actually the president and the representative director of New Japan. So, and speaking of Tanahashi, Dolph Ziggler cut a promo saying that he wants to defend that he wants his first title defense to be against Tanahashi. And we learned that he was actually supposed to team up with Tanahashi, but Tanahashi's actually hurt. So I'm telling you, this is setting up more and more stuff. Well, that's the beauty of wrestling, dude, is like, and again, I'm not trying to shit on WWE, but anything that's not WWE, it's awesome because you can see these guys everywhere. That's what right. I love about the indies and all these other promotions is that they do have working deals with each other. So you can see these guys on the, the promotions, and that's the coolest thing ever because I'm a wrestling fan. I like wrestling. I like all things wrestling. Exactly. And I'm not as saying. I am, yeah. And we, we've talked about this yeah. on the program. Right. There's nothing wrong with liking other things. Like, I think that my introduction to like Ring of Honor and all the indie promotions and all that over the years has kind of opened my eyes that there's there's more than just wwe because when you're someone who grew up on wwe like i did or wwe and wcw you learn right. kind of quickly that there's a uh, a cult following if you are where they believe that if it didn't happen in wwe it doesn't exist or it doesn't matter and i used to believe that until i was exposed to the indies and i was like you know i kind of like that i can see brian uh Brian Danielson, whatever his name is. I like that I can see him. Voted the best Japan. technical wrestler of last year. And I will say didn't this, too, man. I'm, didn't mean to interrupt, I'm man, but, I, but I, had, I had to get that out there because they just had the, the awards. Dan, Brian yeah. Danielson was voted best technical wrestler of the year 2023. Quite frankly, well-deserved. Well, I'm looking forward to that match between him and Kingston. That's something that I really want to see because oh. – Man, AEW, as much as I like them right now, they're putting on some real stinkers, in my opinion. But I mean, I still love them. But right now, what I'm looking forward to the most out of AEW is that storyline with, you know, Brian and Eddie and it being about respect, not just the title. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Or I'm also looking forward to Swerve and Samoa Joe and Hangman. I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't like that we got a triple threat out of that. I do love Hangman. I'm not a Swerve fan, but I kind of feel like it's dumb to have all three of them. I think it's just the fans clearly want Swerve and Samoa Joe. Right. I think that's, I think that's how it should be, but whatever. I'm not the booker. Right. I mean, and honestly, let's be honest. I mean, so some fans say they, they've had enough right now. They've, we've seen enough of Hangman, but. Right. But, yeah, but I'm talking I'm, I'm the Swerve, Strickland, and Samoa Joe. Man, that. Huh. That that's something honestly, a main event a main event that that will be well remembered. 
And, uh, you know, and speaking, you know, and going back, you know, we mentioned AEW. I mean, imagine if Mustafa Ali main evented an AEW Dynamite show with Sammy Guevara. And imagine that. Cool see, see I, and, I've, and I've been getting a lot of heat because, look, Sammy Guevara recently got involved in another mishap when he botched a move and, and, and injured Jeff Hardy. I mean, and, of course, Jeff everybody, Hardy, yeah. everybody, everybody wants to rip Sammy Guevara and you. And, look, yeah, it happens. Yes, Guevara should take responsibility for it. But I'm just tired of people saying that the man can't wrestle. That's just, that's just absolutely pathetic. Right. Sammy Guevara does things in the ring that I'd be too scared to even try. It takes a lot of guts to do those high-flying stuff that he does, those maneuvers, especially what he did recently in that, I, I believe that match against uh, Powerhouse Hobbs off that ladder. Did you see that? Yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, okay, yeah, he's not perfect. Unfortunately, he's made mistakes during the time. I mean, that, that chair incident with Matt Hardy and everything. Look, right. I'm just, but the point is, I'm just sick and tired of people shitting all over Sammy Guevara. And, and, I'll, and I'll be honest, yeah. I have a deep connection with Sammy Guevara because we're both from the state of Texas. So as a fellow Texan, obviously I've got his back. Well, there's that, a that's, lot a te- of that's a Texas that thing. That's a that's a Texas thing. We we don't we, we tend to have each other's backs. That's a, that's just how we are. Well, there's a lot of wrestlers that make mistakes. People act like all of them don't do it. Every one of them makes a mistake of some sort. <laughs> I feel like his is just reported more. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's right. some wrestlers that they have targets on their back because they botched a match before, and then people expect them to fail, and when they find that, they use that as ammo, and then they go online, and they act like children and start trying to tear this person apart, someone they've never met, typically, and they want to take their livelihoods away when they don't even know the person. Like, I think I, I think they be... target Sammy because of because people are still still talking about the incident, about the comments he made about Sasha. I mean, I'm just like, look, he apologized for it. He learned his lesson. He paid off his debt to society. Leave the leave the guy alone, for God's sake. Well, I feel like wrestling fans are the most fickle, like right now anyway, because back in the day, even when I was little and there was internet, fans weren't this whiny. They didn't cry as much about wrestling because – there's a saying, and it's true, no one hates wrestling more than wrestling fans. Because if you look at all those dirt sheets and, you know, websites and Facebook pages, I say it all the time, dude, it's full of fucking crybabies. And that's from all right. walks of life, dude. Because people have put themselves in camps, little groups. And that's not just in wrestling. That's outside of life. But it does trickle through into wrestling. So if you're one of those people that you see a wrestler botch and match, you tend to dedicate your time to paying attention to that one wrestler, which to me is like a waste of time. Why, why not pay attention to the good things they do? Because that's ultimately what we want. I think that because we live in the culture that we do where if someone says something wrong, anyone that has a phone thinks they have a right to try to ruin this person's life. Sammy happens to be one of those people that falls into that pit where he said something. And of course, new generation of fans, new walks of life from all over. They don't like what he has to say, and then they fucking go after him or people like him. It goes to show that politics and morals and beliefs and all that shit, it doesn't matter what you do. It can go into anywhere, and unfortunately, it has come into wrestling. And you can argue that politics has always been a part of wrestling, but I feel like it's worse now because of the internet. Because of egos and everything, but... 
You know, I always say, you know, somebody literally asked me, says, um, hey, well, he's like, well, well, Bear of Texas, name somebody who said think more disgusting things than Sammy Guevara. You know what I said? And you know, you know, the, you know, there's an easy answer to that, right? Hmm. Who has said things that are, who has said more disgusting things than Sammy Guevara? Well, well, quite frankly, it's simple. Jim Cornette. Yep. Or uh, people love to hate on Marty Jannetty because he says crazy, wild fucking things on Twitter and Instagram and Right. Yeah, I may not be a fan of who he is as a person, but you'll never use that to tarnish my image of Marty Jannetty, the wrestler. Right. And I, right. I talk about this all the time, man. Separate the art from the artist. But anyway, but I know we kind of got off a little topic, but I'm telling you, if if Mustafa Ali, like, if he basically make, I mean, I'd imagine, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I would, I would imagine if, if his schedule clears up a little bit, he could probably make appearances on AEW programming. I mean, again, I would love to see him work a few matches with Sammy Guevara because I feel like these could be just high class, you know, caliber matches, and hopefully storylines can be properly developed. And you know, we talked about Riddle as well, and you know, Riddle actually worked two matches um, in that particular show, uh, the New Beginning in Sapporo for New Japan. So in night one, he beat he beat Tanahashi for again the New Japan Pro Wrestling World Television Championship. And the next night, he actually worked. According to this, yeah, it did he did work another match. But um, for, uh, I'm not really seeing it right here. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he worked actually a ten man tag match. He actually teamed up with the United Empire, and he, they they took on a team known as Chaos, involving uh, Okada and Tomohiro Ishii. So it's it, it, it's great that he's just all of a sudden you know working two matches in the in the same show field on two different nights, but still. And I'm seeing the the card from from this particular show from both nights. I mean, I'm telling you, it's loaded. But so, so many guys I've never even heard of. But I'm telling you, Japan. I would say Japan is like is probably the country with the most with the most talented wrestlers, and that's saying something. I mean, I would say that Mexico and Japan have way more talented wrestlers than we see in America. I agree. Because here's the thing: I'm not a fan of New Japan, but I've watched it a handful of times, and I can see why people claim that they are the WWE of Japan. It clearly shows they have good wrestlers. I just, for me, there's that language barrier. It's hard to get over the the translation and how phony it sounds. And then the other part, I think, is also that it's so much like WWE that you can tell how choreographed it is, whereas WWE at least makes it look good. They make, they make cheesy look good. New Japan, right. not so much. But they do have a fucking wide variety of wrestlers. If it wasn't for New Japan, I never would have learned who Will Osprey was. That's where that, my introduction. That Japanese comes strong from. style. See, in Japan, it's a whole. From what I understand, it's it's way more stiff because it. And it shouldn't be surprising. It's okay. Think of it like this: Japanese strong style. Of course, it's stiff. It's called Japanese strong style. Now right. it's choreographed still, but still, it's it's more hard hitting. But you know that's how it is in Mexico too with the with the traditional Mexican lucha libre. So you know and see you know and the main event of at least well the main event of night two I mean the main event of night one was Nemeth beating David Finley for again the global heavyweight championship of uh, New Japan. But the main event was Tetsuya Naito to, defending the the title against the former champion Sanada. So you know it's, see I'm, I'm glad that this episode kind of bled out to more than just talk about these three particular guys because. We're basically solidifying that th- these three guys are working in a very, very 
tremendous and exciting environment. Right. You know, and I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be, you know, if we want to see Dolph Ziggler turn heel again, who knows, maybe he could, he could probably turn heel after his match with Tanahashi. That'd probably be a way to do it. Some would say maybe he should, they would say turning heel during the match is better. I'm like, no. I think turning heel after the match is better. He shake, he 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 does the shake, handshake and then he attacks him. That's 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 a traditional heelish kind of turn. So I can't stress enough, you know, you know, where, where these these guys can go moving forward now. I would imagine in in Riddle's case, um, it, it's obviously going to be difficult to travel back and forth from the U.S. to Japan. But I would imagine uh, he may spend a couple of weeks in Japan, then spend a couple more weeks in doing MLW programming. I mean, I'm sure they've got it all figured out. See, I'm looking forward to see what they do with Riddle for sure, because I liked Riddle and I want to see him excel. I'd love to see him in AEW or maybe on TNA. Preferably, he's, he's, already, he's already teasing another match. He mentioned uh, after, winning, after winning the title, he mentioned something about he wants to defend the title against uh, Zack Sabre Jr. So, dude. Yeah. There's another there's another kind of match we would love to see. You, you see, that's what I'm saying. Like, we're getting the feeling that some great things are on the horizon with these guys because, yeah. You, you see, you see, I always tell people, like, there was a time where WWE was the place to go. Now, I'd, I'd imagine WWE, you could make the most money. Yeah. But what, from what I've said, most wrestlers that love this, money is not what's important to them. What's important to them is going to a place where they know they can make great matches with great wrestlers. That's what's important to them. Well, yeah, they're given a second chance that was ripped away from them the first time around. And I refuse to accept the fact that you can't make more money outside WWE. I feel like these guys actually can make way more money than in WWE. I mean, it's not only, like, you know, the matches. It's, you know, the, from the draw, the incentives, and, you know, whatever, the, the, the you know, autograph sessions. I mean, no. I think as freelance, you could you could probably there's definitely a chance you could make way more money than in WWE. Yeah, if you're a big name like Will Ospreay or something like that, you can definitely make more money. Because here's the thing too, WWE, yeah, they pay more, but you don't really have a light work schedule. You kind of have to do the live shows. You're pretty much contractually obligated to that company. Whereas if you work with the other ones, even though you have a contract with them, you can expand you know you can go onto the horizon and do something else and you can make a lot of money doing that i've heard so many of them uh, moxley's one of them who said that working with aw has been a blessing because he can go all over and do matches that he wants to do and make more money at it and there's a key word that you hear from all of them matches they want to do a lot of these guys and i know you're probably going to get some fucking trolls in the comments talking about how no nah, they just couldn't make it in wwe we already know that's coming. We've got, I've gotten that before, and, and I like how you point out. I mean, these particular comments, it's it's the same thing to me that it is for you. These people don't even put a profile picture, and their and, and the username is like <laughs> some made up fucking username, yeah, dude. It's I mean, it, it's more embarrassing for us because idiot idiots like that are the ones that, we're getting comments from those people. Well. If you listen to interviews from these guys that do work in the Indies or for AEW and vice versa, they all say the same thing. It's something they want to do. It's not really about money. You never hear them talk about money because I think I fully believe that a lot of them, they're not really in for the money. Yeah, they are because they need to make a living and that's what they love doing, but they want to do matches that they want to do. 
because they're stuck in this bubble of all things WWE and everything is WWE and that's it. They can't go out there and face a Will Ospreay or whatever, because there's wrestlers in WWE that have made it very public. Like, Hey, I would love to face Kenny Omega one day. That's one of my dreams. Like you hear that a lot. Those are the guys that eat, sleep and breathe wrestling. So that's why I believe them when they say they want to do this stuff, not because it's anything to do with money. Right. It's not, every, it's, not everything is about money. That's the thing that speaking of Kenny Omega that. and Will Ospreay, their match was voted match of the year by the wrestling observer newsletter. I mean, that match, man, these kinds of matches, I swear that I, I cry because I'm like, this is the rest. This is, this is what I call pro wrestling. This is yeah. what I call pro wrestling. Exactly. That's what yeah. it is. It's not just one house. Wrestling is all over the place, man. Like, all over the place. I don't really consider myself a diehard this or that because I love all types of brands. But, like, because I'm learning not to be married to one promotion because I was that guy. And I was very WWE. And then I left because of the PG shit. And then I came back slowly. And, you know, I was still kind of not a fan of it because of how Lesnar was the champion. He was never around. And they were making questionable booking. So then I heard about a company called AEW and I watched some of the you know early stuff and I was like, okay, pretty cool. And then they had a show come out and I won't lie. It took me a whole year to get into, but over time it won me. And currently right now, my favorite is AEW. If I were to rank them, it's AEW, WWE, TNA and down. But that doesn't mean I'm not hard. I think this was show of the year. Although WWE was promotion of the year and Triple H was Booker of the year. Which is so weird to me, man. This is just my opinion, too. But I felt like this was the worst year WWE has had in the last couple of years. I just... I mean, but yeah, it's with the, fucking, with the whole dance and everything, yeah. But it's the, well, it's the Wrestling Observer that they won, right? Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Yeah. Yeah, Mel, see, this is the perfect example for all you... Whiny ass children out there that are like, oh, Milter just loves <laughs> AEW. Milter just loves AEW. Like, no, he doesn't. I hate him too because I think he's a piece of shit. He's a liar. He doesn't tell the truth. But aside from that, clearly he doesn't just kiss Tony Khan's ass because he makes questionable decisions. There were things that AEW won last year that I was like, uh, that's fucking questionable. Because that's what a real fan does. You don't just stay married to one promotion or whatever. But I mean, I get why people are like WWE only. Because you got to remember, WWE is the media conglomerate. It's like, I love using this example, only because it pisses people off, but it is true. WWE is basically Disney. Who doesn't fucking know what Disney is? Who did not grow up watching Disney? Disney is popular, dude, immensely popular. Everyone knows that. So... WWE is the equivalent. They're a big fucking household name. So I get why people are like stuck in that bubble that WWE is the end all be all. But it's just like any other industry. If you like music, most people will tell you like, oh, unless they're signed by this label or that label, they ain't a real artist. And that's not always true because some of the best artists are people that did it on their own, ran their own label or so on and so forth. You know, like it, it it applies to this, too. I get why people love WWE, but, you know, back to what I was saying. Dave Meltzer, I can't stand him. He's a fucking liar, and he's an idiot. But he made a questionable call, which was making WWE the fucking 
that like saying that this was their best year and it's like dude it was terrible the bookings were awful everything about this year was stupid but just my opinion because again this is exactly how wwe fans felt when aw won all this different shit they're like ah fuck david Meltzer. But now they're riding the Dave Meltzer wave all of a sudden because he voted for WWE shit. I mean, exactly. So, so, so I, I just feel like outside WWE, the, the wrestling is just outside of it is just so different. I mean, yeah. Talk about, again, we've talked about this you know, with, with Ali. I mean, Ali again, you know, gonna face a Hiro Mua Takahashi, which is great. I mean, that's exciting. And then Ziggler gonna defend his title against Tanahashi. I'm not I'm not sure when because I think Tanahashi is actually injured right now. Some would say that that's why he dropped the belt to uh, to Riddle. Although I'm also sure because you know Tanahashi is, is is a guy that knows how to do business. So I think regardless, he he probably was going to drop the belt because you know he wants to put Riddle over. I mean, again, like these guys in Japan, they know how to do business. I mean, you you can be critical of New Japan all you want, but at least in New Japan, you know that business can be done the best way there. So. So, so well, as far you, as uh, Tanahashi goes, I mean, the, the match is actually official well, about 12 hours ago. Yep, it's going to take place at the N, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Sakura Genesis uh, event. So, and yeah, so as we know, yep, it's going to be for the title. Now, as, as, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm trying to find exactly when this match takes place. Okay. It's actually supposed to take place Sunday, Saturday, April 6th. So. Fucking hmm. that. And then we also, uh, and the the IWGP world title will be on the line. Uh, Naito will defend it against the winner of the 2024 New Japan uh, Cup uh, guy, uh, whoever wins that. So, you know, and and of course, uh, I would imagine, you know, a lot of things they got going on as well. So. You said it was April 6th? Yeah, according to this, unless I'm reading it wrong. Isn't that WrestleMania? Well, then I'm just doing some math here. I'm like, wait a minute. Of course, yeah. so this is a little off topic, but I figure we can spend a minute or just talking about it. Elimination Chamber, did you fucking wake up early for that bullshit? No, because actually, okay, okay. no, no, I was, because I had, I had worked the next day, and I'll be honest, I, I've still not gone, I've still not watched it. Now, not because I've not, because I've not wanted to, but you know, I'm just, I'm just basically there's there's so much going on in my mind right now. I, I didn't want to focus on this right now, but you no, know, I, I told myself what we saw on that show. Instead of just doing a simple recap, I was planning to do an episode like a an early WrestleMania sneak peek because based on what we saw, it sets up potential matches. Yeah, I was just curious because I was looking at it, and over here for us, it was like 2 a.m. or whatever. And all I could think is like, damn, I was so excited for this pay-per-view because there was some outcomes I wanted to see. Because typically Elimination Chamber to me is boring. But I wanted to see this, and then I saw that. It was 2 a.m. airtime for us, and all I could think is, no, I'll wake up that morning around 9 or 10 and then watch reruns or something, which is what I did. And I'm kind of grateful I did, man, because I I can tell you right now, you didn't miss much. But anyway. And Tanahashi, actually, it's, it's an ankle injury, so... He yeah, might he be was, able to yeah, wrestle on that. Supposed to, yeah, he was supposed to work. Uh, he was supposed. He was actually supposed to be part of uh, Okada because yeah, uh, Katsuchika Okada, of course, is leaving New Japan, and that ten that ten man tag match was that was actually his farewell. But you know, Tanahashi was supposed to be a part of it. But yeah, so after that match, Ziggler basically mentioned that he wanted to team with him, but you know, instead he says, "I'm gonna 
I want to defend my title against him. So yeah, I'm glad I got I got that cleared. Well, I'm going to be tuning into TNA because I I'm pretty sure they're going to have follow up with uh, Nick Nemeth and Mustafa Ali. Pretty sure because with Nemeth they he wasn't there the last time, and then the week before that they showed um how him and uh, whatever the hell his name is attacked him at a, a match during New Japan. So he's been kind of absent to pursue the New Japan gold. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with it on TNA. I know for sure they'll do something with Mustafa, considering he won, in my opinion, the end-all, be-all title for TNA. Because I know there's the world champion, but man, in my opinion, that X-Division champion, just me, dude, that's, to me, that's the champion. That's the champion for TNA. And again, it's, always it's, it's been held by Austin Aries. It's been held by AJ Styles, by yeah. Samoa Joe. And, you know, not only that, I mean, Ali has a huge match com- coming up in April against against uh, Hiromu Takahashi, which is, again, at the Windy City Riot event in Chicago. So, yeah, it, it, it seems that Nemeth, Riddle, and Ali, big things are coming. I can see them holding on to those titles for a while. Maybe maybe not Riddle and uh, Nemeth, but Mustafa, I can see him holding that for probably months on end because with all the buildup towards his match, they spent so much time and money into those little promos he did in Ali We Trust, which I thought was actually perfect because even though he wasn't going for what I saw, when I watched it, I immediately thought of JBL and the the redneck white trash asshole that was all about America and politics. And the way they portrayed <laughs> Ali, it was kind of similar. I was like, this guy is giving me JBL vibes just without the racist shit. But I liked it. Like I said, I never cared for Mustafa until I was watching those promos. And then I sat down and watched that full match with him and Saban, which kudos for Saban for, you know, putting him over because that's a guy that's held that title more times than I can count. Ten times champ. Yeah, Ten. and he's up there, man. He's up there to where he's a little too old to be holding the belt. He's getting to the point where it's like, hey, if I hold it, it's because I'm passing it on to someone else. And I think they did perfect doing that here with – I mean, I don't know how long he had it for, but I think it was perfect that he dropped it to Mustafa Ali. What better person to drop it to? So I thought it was cool they did it that way. Question for you. Because I mean, you – I mean, you know, Chris Saban's been with he's been with TNA, you know, for for at least twenty years. I mean, I believe the first time he arrived there was in April of two thousand three, yeah. and you know, not long after he arrived, he won the TNA the X Division Championship for the first time. So, you know, you know, and of course, you know, Saban, you know, is a ring of also, you know, Ring of Honor, New Japan as well. I, I think still kind of appears with New Japan. So, you know, he beat he beat one of the biggest well known uh, guys in the business. So. Right. You know, and, and, I, and I'm looking at I'm looking at his uh, Chris Saban's resume. You know, he's a former Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion alongside Alex Shelley, a one-time TNA World Heavyweight Champion, Impact World Tag Team Champion three times, also with Alex Shelley. You know, ten-time uh, X Division Champion. You know, six TNA Triple Crown Champion. Had Match of the Year in 2003 alongside Michael Shane and Frankie Kazarian. Tag Team of the Year in 2007 with Alex Shelley. I'm telling you. So Chris Saban, a guy that's so well accomplished, you know, he's putting he's putting he's putting another guy that is great and he's putting him over. So again, right. Saban doing what's what's best for business. 
Exactly. See, and and and, and what are like you know with with Tanahashi, you know, and, and, and of course you know David Finley, you know, dropping you know dropping the belts. It's good to see that egos are not getting in the way, because by dropping the belts like that, they're keeping and maintaining their credibility. Like they're doing right. business because at the end of the day, if you do the right thing, you put the other guy over, you're still over. You're yeah, still exactly. good with the fans. So this is off. This is off topic, but it's in relation to what you're saying about you know being a businessman and putting the the right guy over. This is something the Miz did and got heat four years ago when he put Lashley over. He was champion right. for what a few nights, if that, and people right. were kind of upset Recognized about it. Recognized as, as eight days, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were pissed at him about it, like how he. A lot of people felt like he was just kind of being treated like a clown, and he had gone on and said, "Look, I've been there, I've done it, I've, I've become a star, but now it's time to make stars." So, he was doing the right thing. He was trying to build yeah. up Bobby Lashley, and people couldn't see past that because they're so diehard the Miz. Which, you know, I'm not a Miz fan, but. I'm more than willing to say that he's a Hall of Famer. You know, he's a future right. Hall of Famer. Right. He's a great wrestler. Yes, he's a great. He's great on the mic. He's a great in-ring performer. Not my cup of tea, but that's an example of him putting someone over. That's good business. Yeah. I was just thinking that. Exactly, and you know, and when you see things again, when it's done the right way, like I said, for Nemeth, for Ali, for uh, Riddle, you know, big things are coming. Because, see, yeah. like I said, I, I'm sure I've said it ten times, and, again, I can't get over the fact that I botched it at the beginning because I forgot which uh, was the whatever television title. But, again, there's so many titles, so, again, I apologize. But, you know, when things are done right, there's so much excitement in the air. You know, you've got people emotionally invested. Like, I want to know what's going to happen next with these guys. And whenever something good happens, you and I will be back here to talk about it. Well, let me ask you this. And I hate to be this guy, but because I'm hoping that none, none of this happens. But which out of these three do you think is going to be the first to go back to WWE after achieving stardom in the Indies? Because that happens. It happened with Cody Rhodes. You know, it happens. I, I can definitely see them becoming larger than life and then WWE figuring out they fucked up and they got to get them back. If you want my opinion... I see Riddle being the guy that goes back, but I don't see that with Nemeth or with Ali because Musab Ali has made it very clear he had a very rocky relationship with WWE and mm -hmm. kind of felt like he was being held back. So I think that if they see how much they can achieve not being in WWE, they may just decide to ride that wave. But I can see Riddle going back because – not only would it be a good slap in the face, like, ha, 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 I told you, but it could also be like, maybe what I needed was to step away to show you guys I am worth your time and money. Right. Because well, there, there was that story, there was that story about when Riddle met Vince the first time. Vince, he said Vince didn't like him. Vince thought he was goofy. I mean, yeah, Riddle may act like the chill goof guy, but here's the deal. Riddle is a legitimately trained fighter. Yes. Pat Riddle is a guy, is the last person you want to mess with. This guy was in UFC. Riddle is trained to fight, and I mean he he can. Like the bottom line is, he's a legitimately trained fighter. I mean, he, it's more than just work. Like he can fight for real. Yeah. So, but 
Okay, number one, the reason why it's not Ziggler, because Ziggler's in his mid-40s now, so I doubt that, you know, they, if, if Ziggler goes back to WWE, when he does, it won't be as a wrestler. I would imagine as a producer or, yeah. a, or, a, coach as, or as a coach, as they say in AEW. Um, so that's in Ziggler's case. And Ali, no, because Ali is, in, is having the, the best time of his career. Again, traveling yeah. all over the world, making, I would imagine he's making great money. Because of how over he is, how much how much he's drawing, you know, and now and now that he's finally won a major championship, so Ali would not want to leave all this because Ali is right. basically working his schedule, but most importantly, he's doing things his way as far as what he's doing in wrestling, where he's going, and you know, it's the again, he's unshackled, he's a free man, so right. He's basically free to be himself, so he's not going to surrender that. So as far as uh, – but I feel like the same, if things get better for Riddle, he's not even going to want to bother coming back. Unless I, WWE decides to join in the whole forbidden door, unless WWE, WWE decides to open working relationships with promotions all around the world, then he could probably appear on WWE programming. But until then, if I were them, I'm not going back to WWE. Well, I would say, look, I would tell Triple H, look, I, lo- I love you, Triple H and all, I respect you, but I'm I'm doing just fine doing what I'm doing right now. I'm not I'm not going to abandon it. Well, I think the thing, too, that they don't really think about, I mean, I'm sure some of them do, but fans don't think about is wrestlers in their position can run the risk of going back to WWE and basically getting the same treatment or worse because they took off and WWE wants to retaliate or whatever. Right, yeah. And so yeah, it's WWE not like is, that. A, is a no fly. Then, if I were any of them, WWE is a no fly zone. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, if I was a wrestler, I wouldn't go to WWE until I'm too old to wrestle, and then I'd do something else. Because keep in mind, schedule the schedule in WWE is hectic. You're on the road 300 days a year. I would imagine with these guys, they're probably not on the road. Well, you know, they're on the road a lot, but it's different. It's not like they have to travel every night. Yeah. Well. I think in some instances, but I would imagine if if, if Riddle spent right now, he, he may be spending a few weeks in Japan. Like I said, he'll probably come back to the States, maybe take a two week, you know, rest at home for maybe a week or two and then, you know, re- resume MLW commitments. So, I mean, I, again, the schedule is also an important thing. They can basically work their schedules, like doing things according to their schedules and, and these other promotions, because they don't operate like they do in WWE. There's less pressure for both of them. So, yeah. Yeah, so again, I think for Ali more than anybody, yeah, WWE is not gonna bother. Now, what would what, what now would I be open to mending mending a relationship with Triple H, whatever? Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> but as far as resigning, no. right? Because again, you might they might not be making as much as they did in in WWE, but again, as, as you said, money is not what's important to them. It's the art of wrestling. It's doing what they love to do. And not being and not being relegated or held back or being told what to do, you can tell that that Ali again he's un, he's unshackled. He's a free man, just like Nemeth and just like Riddle. Now there's still like they, there's still some a, a bit of limits, but at least you know the other promoters are open to having basically happen open to letting them do their thing and just saying be yourself because those guys know that if you if you don't hold them back. You can make more money than you can even think of. In yeah. other words, you trust them. Yeah, exactly. 
Because they know that it's about making money. It's about everybody getting a piece of the action. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it is what it is as far as as their post-WB careers. And, you know, I really had a feeling that when Ollie left, I'm like, well, I feel that once his 90-day compete clause is officially over, Ali is going to prove a point. And he's been proving that point all year so far. I mean, again. Oh, yeah. He's worked. He did, he, he's, he's worked in France. He's worked in the UK. I believe in Canada as well. I mean, he's been all over. I mean, in Japan, obviously. He's, he's, he's already made quite the impact, and so is Riddle. And so is, you know, Nick Nemeth. We have, oh, we yeah. probably haven't seen, we've, probably, we've probably seen nothing yet, honestly, with those guys. Now, I was going to say, I think the last thing I should say before we wrap it up is, aside from Nemeth, well, could all could Ali be put in a world title picture? I say yes, but it needs to be built. I don't want it rushed. It, it can't be rushed. Yeah, it needs to be built because the biggest drawback for him, I think what holds him back is the fact that he's smaller. That's what holds back a lot of these guys. If they can prove that these guys are legitimate and can hold their own, similar to like a, Sammy Zane's a good example. I never saw anything in the guy. I never cared for him until he wrestled Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber last year. Then I thought, okay, I can totally see him as a top caliber, you know, world champion guy. So if they build it and they make Mustafa believable, yes, it can definitely be done. I don't know about Riddle being world champion material, but that's because I don't, I haven't seen much yet. Again, these are guys that have kind of been held back or, you know, they're slowly kind of making that move towards world championship gold. So we'll see, but. Right now, I can tell you that my attention is mostly on Mustafa right now, because he's the one that surprised me the most. I was just blown away by how much I was missing, because so many people were team Ali. And this was like while he was in WWE, because they're like, dude, he's actually really good. And, you know, it's no secret he asked for his release. They told him no. And you can tell they retaliated by how they booked him the next year. Yeah. I still love WWE, but I always tell people, you know, WWE is where you go to become a megastar. Any other company is where you go to become a world-class athlete. Right. That's really the only two difference. That's the difference between the two. That's it. Love them both, though. Yeah, and Ali is is now himself. He's free to be himself. And all all I can say is I'm, I'm so happy for him. And last thing about Ali is, you, you, you notice he's, you know, you know um, how people say, like, he, he doesn't have a – his character is not a stereotypical thing you see, especially concerning his culture and his religion. So I'm glad that, you know, he's the high flyer. Like, like again, he, he's, a, he's an embodiment of, you know, of, of, of a comic book superhero character. I mean, as I said, uh, Guevara's Nightwing, who, of course, is the original Robin. I would say that Mustafa Ali is similar. Yeah. Man, I'm not, uh, as far as who Ali could be, I'm really, I'm really not sure as far as superhero goes. I'm really not sure. As a bad, as a bad guy, I would say he's probably Deathstroke, Slade Wilson, aka Deathstroke. Pretty as close. a bad guy, as a good guy, I would say he's probably Nightwing as well. But I don't, want, but. But yeah, I, I feel like yeah, Mustafa Ali, especially as a heel, because he, if you guys are if comic, if there's any like superhero fans out there, Slade Wilson, aka Deathstroke, you know, we feel like that. So I, I would say like yeah, I would say Ali is more like Deathstroke. 
right. but maybe a, a good guy, a good guy version of Deathstroke, or even a bad guy version, like depending on if he's a baby face or a heel. But Sammy Guevara is definitely Nightwing. But you know, again, I think I pretty much said everything like that. But man, but you know, I'm just so excited to see what these three guys have in the future. And you know, I'm just excited to see you know everything outside WWE because again, my focus right now is not just on WWE programming. I mean, again. I've explained, you know, I've explained it to you, and I've told people, you know, you know, I would say there's a lot of things about me and Tony as wrestling fans. I mean, we're just the kind of fans that we don't mind having a little too much on our plates, even even if we can't pay attention to everything at once. But still, we don't mind having too much on our plate. <laughs> exactly. It's it's like oh. we throw it away. We just leave it on the table, and we try to get back to it, whether yeah. it's cold or whether the food, even if the food is cold or spoiled. So that's just who we are. So, anyway, uh, Tony, before we close it out, why don't you remind the folks where they, where they can find you and your show? So, currently, our website is under repair, but if you want to find us, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on YouTube as well. That's at The Great Girth Podcast. Um, same for Instagram and Facebook, at The Great Girth Podcast, as well as TikTok. YouTube is definitely where it's at. We're also on Rumble, so if you guys are interested, definitely check that out. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, you can find Ringside Chaos anywhere you get your podcast. So here's what Tony and I need you to do. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell because we need to be sure that you won't be missing out on any exciting upcoming content because, ladies and gentlemen, Tony will be back on the program, and I will be back on his program. And, ladies and gentlemen, believe me, you do not want to miss it. Tony, again, thank you so much for coming on. I cannot wait to do this again, sir. Thanks for having me, brother. I'll see you on the next one. All right. Y'all have a good night.